0: decision podcasts by the new york prosecutors training institute are made possible by voice pods convert your text to voice at voicepods.com read this decision at nip t law the people see, respondent v victor diaz appellant Submitted by David R. Jurgens, for appellant. Submitted by Nancy Gilligan, for respondent. Memorandum. The order of the appellate division should be affirmed, without costs. In October 2009, defendant pleaded guilty to one count of course of sexual conduct against a child in the first degree, see Penal Law 130.75, in satisfaction of a multi-count indictment. The conduct underlying the offense included repeated acts of sexual intercourse and other sexual contact with an 11-year-old girl beginning in June 2006 and continuing until December 2007. At a SORA hearing conducted as defendant was nearing completion of his prison sentence, he was adjudicated a level 2 risk of re-offense due, in part, to the assessment of 10 points under risk factor 1, use of violence. That finding was based on information in the pre-sentence investigation report prepared in connection with the offense stating that on one or more occasions, he used physical force to coerce the victim into cooperation, information also included in the case summary prepared by the Board of Examiners of Sex Offenders. Defendant argues that this evidence was insufficient to supply evidence of use of violence because it constituted hearsay and did not more specifically describe his conduct. We disagree. Sora adjudications, by design, are typically based on documentary evidence under the statute's reliable hearsay standard. Case summaries and PSI reports meet that standard, see people v. Mingo, meaning they can provide sufficient evidence to support the imposition of points. PSI reports are prepared by probation officers who investigate the circumstances surrounding the commission of the offense, defendant's record of delinquency or criminality, family situation and social, employment, economic, educational, and personal history, analyzing the data to provide a sentencing recommendation, C CPL 390.30. Their primary function is to assist a criminal court in determining the appropriate sentence for the particular defendant based on the specific offense. Defendants have a right to review the report prior to sentencing, CCPL 390.50, and may challenge the accuracy of any facts contained therein at that time, CCPL 400.10. Indeed, defendants have a strong incentive to timely dispute and seek correction of inaccurate statements because they may impact the court's sentencing determination. Unless altered through this process, factual statements in PSI reports can supply an evidentiary basis for the imposition of points, as is clear from our precedent. To be sure, evidence that is admissible and sufficient need not be credited by the Sora court. The fact-finder charged with weighing the evidence and determining whether the people met their burden of proof. In this case, at the Sora hearing, defendant could have challenged the accuracy of the statement concerning his use of violence by offering contradictory documentary evidence or testimony and if he had the court might have credited as proof. However, the statement's accuracy was never disputed, nor did the courts below are in rejecting defendants claim that the evidence must be discounted because the acts of force were not described in greater detail. Where, as here, the appellate division affirmed the hearing court's findings, made under the proper evidentiary standard, this court's review is limited to whether the decisions below are affected by an error of law or otherwise not supported by the record, People v. Lashway. Because there is record support for the imposition of points under Risk Factor 1, there is no basis to disturb the appellate division order. People v. Victor Diaz. SSM No. 28. Rivera, J., dissenting. Defendant is subject to registration under the Sex Offender Registration Act, SORA, and on this appeal he challenges his risk level assessment. Whether defendant is subject to SORA's more onerous registration requirements turns on the allocation of 10 points on a risk assessment scale for the defendant's alleged use of forcible compulsion against the victim of the underlying SORA eligible crime. Those 10 points are based solely on an unattributed conclusory hearsay sentence from a pre-sentence investigation report, PSI, prepared by the Office of Probation. However, defendant was neither charged nor convicted for a crime involving violence and no record evidence, hearsay or non-hearsay supports this statement. It may very well be that the statement is correct, but there is no way to know because the people did not submit any documentary or testimonial evidence by which to measure the statement's accuracy. The people argue that under People v. Mingo, we should accept this one-sentence assertion at face value as reliable hearsay, but doing so extends Mingo beyond the analytic boundaries of its holding, absolves the people of their burden of persuasion, and renders the sora proceeding a farce. I would reverse clarifying that a conclusory statement in the PSI that otherwise lacks record support, standing alone, is not clear and convincing evidence of the fact asserted. I. Persons who commit certain sex offenses must comply with New York Sora's mandate to register with the State Division of Criminal Justice Services, People v. Francis. Sora contains a detailed system of registration and community notification. With each sex offender's registration and notification obligations emanating from the offender's designated risk level within a three-tiered classification scheme, people v. Cook. In accordance with the legislative mandate, the New York State Board of Examiners of Sex Offenders, the Board, has developed guidelines and procedures to assess a sex offender's risk of a repeat offense. Correction Law 168-Liter, see Sex Offender Registration Act, Risk Assessment Guidelines and Commentary. The Board designed a risk assessment instrument to determine an individual sex offender's risk level based on a number produced by aggregation of numerical values assigned to each risk factor identified in the guidelines, see Correction Law 168 liter. In other words, an offender's presumptive risk level is produced by adding the points that the offender scores in each category of risk factors. Nevertheless, the board recognizes that adding up numbers may not always be the best way to determine risk to the public. The guidelines state that the board, or the SOAR Sentencing Court, may depart from the recommended risk level because while the RIE should generally result in a proper risk classification, it may not account for the nuances of an individual case. Thus, the guidelines allow for an upward or downward departure if special circumstances warrant. Before a sex offender is released from confinement the board, in compliance with its charge under SORA prepares in Ryan case summary setting forth the board's confidential recommendation to the sentencing court providing for one of the three levels of notification depending upon the degree of risk of re-offense by the sex offender, Correction Law Section 168 Leader. The court then holds a hearing, in which the people have a burden of proving, by clear and convincing evidence, the facts supporting the sought-after determinations. The clear and convincing evidence standard is substantially more exacting than a mere preponderance of the evidence standard, requiring evidence sufficient to satisfy the fact finder that it is highly probable that what is claimed actually happened. As the court has emphasized, since Sora's primary concern is the accurate determination of an offender's risk to the public, the district attorney should proffer the best evidence available to illuminate the relevant facts. The court, after applying the guidelines point scale to the facts proven at the hearing, may accept the board's recommendation or depart from it and assign a different risk level classification. 2. Defendant appeals from an order of the appellate division which affirmed, without opinion, his level 2 moderate risk assessment under SORA. Defendant contends that county court erred by assessing 10 points against him under risk factor 1, forcible compulsion, on the basis of a single generic sentence in his PSI, and its repetition in the board's case summary. It is undisputed that absent those 10 points, Defendant would have been assessed presumptively risk level 1, the lowest level. According to the PSI, defendant engaged in sexual conduct with the victim on multiple occasions, including sexual intercourse on at least one occasion. Defendant pled guilty to course of sexual conduct against a child in the first degree in violation of Penal Law 130.75. The PSI prepared by the Office of Probation for Use by the Sentencing Court included a statement that on one or more occasions. Defendant used physical force to coerce the victim into cooperation. Defendant was sentenced to 10 years confinement. As defendant's scheduled release date approached, the board prepared a case summary for use by the Sora sentencing court, assessing defendant 75 points total, including, as relevant to this appeal, 10 points under factor 1 for use of forcible compulsion, and recommending defendant be adjudicated a level 2 offender. The case summary referenced the statement in the PSI about use of force inaccurately stating that the PSI identifies that on more than one occasion force was used. The case summary also stated that defendant's disciplinary record was satisfactory and he remained incident-free. The board specified that it was not recommending an upward departure. The people adopted the board's point assessment and recommendation, relying on the statement in the PSI that defendant had used force on one or more occasions and its repetition in the case summary. At the SORA hearing, defendant objected that the lone conclusory statement about use of force in the PSI, together with its reference in the case summary, was not enough for the court to find by clear and convincing evidence that the people have met their burden for 10 points under the forcible compulsion factor. County court observed that rejection of the 10 points for forcible compulsion would result in a total score of 65, placing defendant within the level 1 presumptive risk category, the lowest risk offender category under Sora. In response, The assistant district attorney argued that the PSI was reliable hearsay. County court initially appeared to question this argument. So, I just want to take a minute and discuss this perhaps to its logical conclusion. So, if there is a probation officer that was putting together a PSI and one of the documents that the probation officer had was an investigator's report that was a narrative that did not include statements from the victim or statements from a witness, would it be fair to say that such a report could be based on hearsay and then find its way through the food chain? so to speak, into the case summary? For example, I remember in many cases reading a federal pre-sentence report, kind of a rendition of the U.S. attorney's file without there being attached, I guess what defense counsel is saying, a supporting deposition of the victim or a medical examination report. I guess the three of us would agree that perhaps those types of documents would all be more persuasive. But your position is simply, and I don't mean this in a lesser fashion. But a regurgitation in the case summary of what exists in other documents unnamed is in fact reliable hearsay? Nevertheless, county court rejected defendant's arguments and assessed him 10 points under factor 1, adopting the case summary's inaccurate description of the PSI statement to find that on more than one occasion defendant used physical force to coerce the victim into cooperation. It classified him as a level 2 sex offender based on his resulting 75-point total, 5 points above the top score for level 1. The appellate division affirmed without opinion. We granted leave to appeal. Unlike the majority, I would reverse because the people failed to establish by clear and convincing evidence defendants alleged use of forcible compulsion. 3. Defendant argues that the unsupported statement in the PSI, and its inaccurate reprint in the case summary, that he used force on one or more occasions did not constitute clear and convincing evidence that he employed forcible compulsion in connection with his offense of conviction. Defendant acknowledges that this court has previously said that PSIs and case summaries are generally admissible in soar proceedings as reliable hearsay. However, defendant notes that Mingo expressly declined to take a position on how much weight to give statements in these documents in any given case, and argues that here, the isolated statement in the PSI that he had used force on one or more occasions was too conclusory and untethered to specific facts to independently constitute the required clear and convincing evidence. The people rely on Mingo. Asserting that PSIs are known to be reliable and, in any event, defendant did not present any evidence below to rebut the facts in the PSI and case summary. In the people's view, the law does not require that these documents contain specific facts in order to constitute clear and convincing evidence. On the facts of this case, the people are incorrect that the unattributed one-sentence conclusory assertion satisfies their burden to present clear and convincing evidence in support of the recommended risk level. A Sora sentence sentencing court may consider reliable hearsay evidence submitted by either party, provided that it is relevant to the determinations, Correction Law 168 N. Of course, hearsay is notoriously suspect because it is submitted to establish a truth without subjecting the speaker to cross-examination. The rational basis for the hearsay classification is not the formula, assertions offered for the truth of the matter asserted, but rather the presence of substantial risks of insincerity and faulty narration, memory and perception, Edmund M. Morgan, hearsay dangers in the application of the hearsay concept. That is, the out-of-court declaration, offered for the truth of the matter it asserts, is suspect for four separate reasons. The declarant may have misperceived the event originally. The declarant may have perceived correctly yet suffered memory loss about the event before making the out-of-court declaration to the witness. The declarant may have lied to the witness about the event. The witness may have misunderstood declarant's report of the event. While these dangers exist for every witness, hearsay is deemed inadmissible because the declarant is not under oath, not in the presence of the jury, and cannot be cross-examined. Douglas D. McFarland, present sense impressions cannot live in the past. Nevertheless, exceptions to the hearsay rule usually are justified on the ground that evidence meeting the requirements of the exception possesses special reliability and often special need, such as the unavailability of the declarant. In Mingo the court adopted a standard for admissibility of hearsay in SORA proceedings which relieves a party from having to establish the methodology and source of the proffered document. For case summaries and pre-sentence reports, no foundation is necessary to justify receipt of this type of evidence at a SORA hearing because the circumstances surrounding the development of the proof are evident from the face of the document and are well understood by a SORA court. In other words, the court created a hearsay exception for SORA purposes. Permitting automatic admission of case summaries and pre-sentence reports previously routinely admitted by lower courts. We held that such an exception was justified because of the mechanical document production process used to create these documents by persons knowledgeable about the subject matter and the intended use of these documents. The Board of Examiners of Sex Offenders is charged with producing accurate case summaries as an integral part of its functions and it has expertise calling through records to produce a concise statement of the factual information relevant to defendant's risk of reoffense. Similarly, to assist the court in imposing an appropriate sentence, probation departments are charged with gathering a wide variety of information for inclusion in pre-sentence reports, reports that may well be the single most important document at both the sentencing and correctional levels of the criminal process. Case summaries and pre-sentence reports are prepared with the knowledge that they will be relied on by courts. No foundation is necessary for their consideration at SORA hearings because such documents are created under statutory mandates and their origins and function are well known to SORA courts. Of course, information found in a case summary or pre-sentence report need not always be credited, it may be rejected when it is unduly speculative or its accuracy is undermined by other more compelling evidence. Thus, under Mingo, case summaries and pre-sentence reports are an exception to the rule against hearsay because they satisfy a minimal threshold of facial reliability based on what the judiciary knows about them and because they are assumed to be prepared in accordance with a reliable process. However, it is one thing to admit this type of document in the usual course at a sort proceeding, and quite another to unquestioningly credit the document's conclusory factual statement absent evidentiary support for it in the record. The former cannot justify the latter. Nor is it proper to accept an assertion in such document when the reliability of the fact-gathering is in doubt. While Mingo eliminates the requirement that the people establish the foundation for documentary admission, as Mingo states plainly, a court is not required to credit the assertions contained therein. Instead, as with any other evidence, a court must determine the persuasiveness of the statements contained in the documents where the assertion lacks factual support in the record, is speculative or contradicted by other reliable evidence, or where the phrasing suggests possible error, the assertion falls short of clear and convincing evidence of the alleged fact. b. The parties dispute whether the statement in the PSI that on one or more occasions, defendant used physical force to coerce the victim into cooperation, together with its repetition in the case summary, is sufficient to support county courts holding under the clear and convincing evidence standard. Evidence is sufficient if the record below contains such relevant proof as a reasonable mind might accept as adequate to support the conclusion that the people carried their burden to establish defendant's use of forcible compulsion. Here, the PSI and case summary's one-sentence conclusory statement is insufficient on its face. It is undisputed that the PSI and case summary statement constituted the entirety of the evidence the SORA court considered in arriving at its conclusion that defendant should be assessed 10 points for forcible compulsion. It is also undisputed that the record is totally bereft of any evidence supporting or disclosing the source of the assertion. There are no documents in the SORA hearing record that would typically provide the basis for such assertion, no victim statement, no grand jury transcripts, and no plea colloquy admitting defendant's use of force, nor for that matter any other statement by defendant. The PSI itself suggests no such evidence would be forthcoming from these sources. First, under the heading Victim Statement Slash Amount of Damages, there is no mention of a statement by the victim or her mother that defendant used force, only a reference to the mother's statement that restitution was not requested. The only description of a sexual encounter is unattributed and makes no reference to the use of force. Second, the PSI states that during the interview defendant spoke generally about his background and hopes for the future but, on advice of counsel, made no statement about the crime. Thus, the source is not the defendant's admissions. The absence of any other evidence to support the assertion is particularly noteworthy because defendant was neither charged with nor convicted of a crime which includes force as an element. Significantly, county court's conclusion that defendant used force on more than one occasion has no support in the record. The PSI only states that defendant used force on one or more occasions, PSI 1, and the case summary's misquotation of that statement adds no further support. Thus, county court plainly erred. County Court also erred to the extent it considered the case summary as evidence independent of the PSI where the case summary purported only to recapitulate, without further explanation, the statement in the PSI. The fact that the board merely noted the statement in the PSI without providing a factual basis for the statement tends to undermine rather than support the probative value of that statement because it suggests that the board did not find independent evidence that defendant used forcible compulsion on some unknown number of occasions. Thus. The question is whether the people's submission of the statement in the PSI, standing alone, may satisfy a reasonable mind that they have carried their burden to prove the relevant facts by clear and convincing evidence. I conclude that the people's submission was deficient in this regard. C. The statement that on one or more occasions, defendant used physical force to coerce the victim into cooperation, is nothing more than the probation officer's conclusion that defendant used force without any direct evidence of the facts underlying that conclusion. The lack of any record basis for this assertion renders the assertion textbook speculation, and thus insufficient evidence to support the assessment of points under existing precedent. There are additional reasons why the assertion is unreliable within the meaning of mingo. The phraseology employed in the PSI and case summary put in question the reliability of the use of force assertion. The documents do not align, the PSI states that defendant used force on one or more occasions, while the case summary refers to more than one occasion. The PSI assertion is also strangely vague, one or more occasions, and is a legal conclusion rather than a fact. It bears all the earmarks of boilerplate language, unconnected to the individual case. By contrast, where we have upheld SORA risk-level findings as supported by clear and convincing evidence, the SORA court has relied upon narrative statements as to the specific instances of conduct justifying the points assessed against defendant, for example People v. Sincerebo, victims detailed. Sworn statement about being hit and thrown by defendant upon refusal to engage in intercourse adequately supported 10-point increase for forcible compulsion, People v. Pettigrew, case summaries detailed description of defendants armed, violent rape of victim adequately supported increase, cf. People v. Cruz, holding evidence of forcible compulsion insufficient where PSI merely stated that defendant had been charged with overlapping offenses involving use of force. The people did not identify any cases in which a SORA court relied on conclusory language similar to the statement in defendant's PSI. The assertion here is also wholly unattributed. We do not know whether the allegation about use of force in the PSI is derived from a victim's statement or from multiple levels of hearsay that do not meet the reliability standard set out in the statute. While assertions in these documents may, as a general rule, be admissible hearsay, that does not mean that a hearing court must give blind credit without knowing the source of the hearsay statement. Without any idea where the information comes from, whether set forth in the PSI or elsewhere in the SORA hearing record, the SORA court cannot assess the credibility of the assertion. Approving such an unattributed fact would be the equivalent of saying that PSIs and case summaries always provide clear and convincing evidence of a fact or legal conclusion, a notion we rejected in Mingo. The people also cite a case from the fourth department stating that a case summary alone constitutes clear and convincing evidence sufficient to uphold a Sora court's findings if the defendant fails to contest its factual allegations related to the risk factor. See people v. Hubel. However, Hubel is distinguishable. In Hubel, the court rejected defendant's challenge to the case summary's allegations of oral sexual contact, even though, as defendant argued, the accusatory instruments did not include such allegations because the court could consider the victim's statements. It thus stands for the established and uncontroverted proposition that reliable evidence apart from the assertions in a case summary, such as a victim's statement, may support a court's determination that there is clear and convincing evidence of the factual basis for the risk assessment See sincere In discussing Hubel, the people essentially advocate for a per se rule establishing an irrebuttable presumption about the probative value of certain types of documents in relation to the party's burdens we have never cabined a SORA court's discretion to assess the record evidence. As Mingo contemplates, and this appeal illustrates, case summaries and PSIs include various types of assertions, some of which may not clearly and convincingly prove anything at all, for example because they are vague or speculative, contradicted by record evidence, or do not reflect elements of the SORA eligible crime, while others may be detailed, well supported, and conclusive as to the matter asserted. Four. The people argue that defendant could have testified at the SOAR hearing, or else sought out evidence, such as police reports, that might have contained a statement that no force was used. According to the people, because defendant did not present such evidence, he cannot now complain about the PSI. To the extent the people literally mean that defendant's decision not to testify or present evidence in his own defense should be taken as evidence against him, that would impermissibly shift to defendant the people's burden of persuasion. Mingo eased the people's burden of production by eliminating the need to lay a foundation and allowing for the automatic admission of the case summary and PSI, but it did not eliminate the people's burden to establish by clear and convincing evidence a defendant's risk level. We should certainly not adopt such a rule where, as here, it would be straightforward and require minimal effort for the board or the people to provide a description that would eliminate doubts as to the accuracy of the PSI and case summary statement. Although the assistant district attorney argued to county court that it would be difficult, as a general matter, to get a victim statement or grand jury testimony in cases involving children, she made no express showing that in this case, which involved a teenage victim, there were insurmountable obstacles to securing a victim statement when the PSI was drafted, or almost 10 years later when the case summary was prepared, or in advance of the SORA proceeding. Nor is there sense to the assistant district attorney's argument that grand jury minutes are sealed and she did not know how to get around that. This court and Mingo recognize that grand jury minutes are appropriate evidence for sore purposes, and as defendant points out, courts rely on grand jury minutes to find the same type of fact asserted against defendant, see for example People v. Lacewell, People v. Quintana, see also People v. Boxing. V. A reasonable mind could not exclusively rely upon the statement in the PSI to conclude that clear and convincing evidence supported a determination that it was true, Stork Restaurant. While case summaries and PSIs can provide admissible hearsay evidence when they relay facts obtained from other sources, we have never held that a SORA court can base its clear and convincing evidence determination solely on deference to the government's unattributed conclusions. Thus, county court could not base its finding that the people met their burden on a statement in the PSI and board's case summary that a defendant fit into certain categories that result in point increases. Under the contrary rule, the probation office or the board could in effect dictate an offender's risk level by inserting conclusory statements about risk factors into a PSI or case summary, irrespective of the underlying facts. That would make a mockery of the SORA proceedings and undermine the legislature's clear directive that the SORA sentencing court must make its own findings of fact, with the goal of reaching an accurate determination of the risk a sex offender poses to the public. Phi. The board scored defendant as a presumptive level 2 offender on the rye based upon a conclusory unsupported assertion in the PSI, repeated in the case summary, that he had allegedly used force when committing the SORI eligible crime. That assertion does not constitute clear and convincing evidence of forcible compulsion and the people provided no other evidence to meet their burden. Notwithstanding the majority's conclusory affirmance here. The board and those charged with preparing pre-sentence reports should identify the sources of factual statements and the people should ensure that their recommendations are supported by reliable evidence, especially when relying on hearsay. Materials proffered at a SORA proceeding should be treated with the same care and attention to detail expected throughout our system of justice. In defendant's case, in view of the fact that the SORA sentencing court is the finder of fact and may reject the presumptive risk level. We cannot ascertain whether county court would have classified defendant as a level 2 sex offender if it had started from the correct numerical rating. Therefore, I would reverse the order of the appellate division and remit to county court for further proceedings. On review of submissions pursuant to section 500.11 of the rules, order affirmed, without costs, in a memorandum. Chief Judge DeFiore and Judges Stein, Fahey, Garcia and Feynman concur. Judge Rivera dissents in an opinion in which Judge Wilson concurs. Decided February 18, 2020. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at Nipt Law. www.nypti.org/law.